0: Welcome to the North Seattle Parent Education Podcast, and thank you for being here because this podcast is designed just for you. We know that parenting takes a village, and we're here to help. Tune in while you're working, driving, even cooking, and we'll provide you with valuable information each episode to support you as a parent. North Seattle Cooperative Preschools are held at many locations for ages infant to five years, plus kindergarten class and other community sites. And remember, we're always enrolling. And now, Here's your host, Tanya Hino. Welcome to Parenting Takes a Village. Today, we're going to talk about nutrition and how we can help our children and ourselves. In today's episode, we have Lauren who specializes in creating unique strategies and solutions for the busiest of people to meet their personal health goals. She believes that changes don't last unless they are realistic, and she holds a unique toolbox of ideas to take the guesswork out of healthy eating. Lauren is a busy mom known for her 15-minute meal hacks, tried and true product recommendation and ability to share the science of nutrition in a clear and understandable manner. Hi, Lauren. Welcome. Thanks, Tanya. So tell me a little bit about yourself and why you became interested in nutrition. Yes.
1: So um, I'm a mom of soon to be two boys. Um, I have a 27-month-old And I am expecting baby number two at the end of July. So very excited and somewhat, um, I guess, scared to embark on that adventure. Um, But why I really got into my role as a dietitian is that I, from a very young age, have been passionate about food and cooking. I always wanted to be alongside My mom, who was really uh, grew up a cook herself, and um, as my schooling went on, I became really fascinated with human physiology Mm. and considered going into medicine, Mm. but just decided that dietetics were a wonderful way to get that clinical side and at the same time really you know, follow my passion of food and nutrition, and I had also worked in the education space a little bit, doing some kids' camps and after-school cooking classes. And I knew dietetics involved a lot of education, so it just kind of made sense for me. Um, And I've loved it. And I have, I guess I've been in practice for just over 10 years now. Um, I started working actually exclusively in pediatrics. I did Mm -hmm. my training at British Columbia Children's Hospital and actually from Vancouver, BC, then transitioned to New Orleans uh, and did more pediatrics in hospital setting there. And I guess in the last five to six years in Seattle, I've been more in the wellness space. Mm -hmm. And for the last few, years now have been working for my own private practice lauren leading nutrition wow that's great mm-hmm.
0: well just make sure you give us your website so we can add it to your episode for sure and it's really simple it's
1: laurenleadingnutrition.com oh nice I'll be sure to add it
0: yeah nice and simple can you tell me what are some benefits of healthy eating in early childhood? Mm-hmm. So
1: I think we all, as parents, are always thinking about growth and development when we go to pediatrician appointments. What's the first thing they do? They pull out the growth curve. There's expectations for you know how much calcium and protein and all the intricacies of nutrition. What I might argue is actually the most important role of healthy eating in early childhood is fostering a healthy relationship with Food for years to come. Wow. Because, yeah, because I'm in um, primarily adult practice now. I see mainly adults, and a lot, I'd say nine times out of 10, my client is struggling with something that has come from. Their childhood and Mm. yeah, a relationship they've had, um, just their body image growing up, or perhaps it was a way that parents made them feel or forced them to eat certain things. And so I'd say, above all, the most important thing is healthy eating and just a healthy environment to foster a relationship with food that's going to be strong in the long run.
0: That is incredible. And can you give us some examples of what would be not a healthy relationship? shape with food? Mm -hmm. Um, So one just more kind of surface level that I think has come
1: of a lot of us that grew up in the 70s, 80s, early 90s is, and I know I was one of these children, we were taught to be members of the Clean Plate Club. So... (laughs) <laughs> you couldn't leave the table till your meal was complete. And I think what that teaches children is to ignore their hunger and fullness cues and instead eat till whatever's put in front of them is complete. And I see a lot of adults now that struggle with portion control and knowing when to stop because they just have become so disconnected with those cues from early childhood. Some other examples, I'd say there's a lot with body image and mm. being around parents that dieted or discussions of foods being good foods or bad foods. Mm-hmm. I also have found that I have several clients that have struggled in, in some way or another with binge eating pattern. And that's wow. come from treats being just completely off limit. And so when these children enter into college adulthood, they find themselves in situations where they get to decide what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And they really have that scarcity mindset uh, oh i was never allowed to have these things i have got to take advantage of the situation when i have control and they tend
0: to overdo it uh, those are just a few examples i see a lot of patterns and in a black and white mentality of good bad and life is too incredible and has have different spectrums to be able to be like this is bad this is good everything in moderation is good and everything in excess mm-hmm. and even if it's good everything that we overdo is too much too exactly what what are some concerns in regards to nutrition with parents and children and I know that you mentioned some like the clean plate or making children feel guilty about not eating their food what other concerns you see with parents and children and food mm-hmm. it's hands down and especially in the younger crowd so under five
1: picky eating is without a doubt yes. the largest concern and my fun is what I would call an extreme picky eater uh, which is quite funny uh, <laughs> given my role he's really testing me and giving me empathy for other families. Yeah, picky eating is something that is just really, really hard to navigate. I think as parents, we just, we want so much control and we're just thinking of the best for our child. And we tend to get really stressed out, myself included, when our children don't eat what we've provided for them. And that just creates an even more stressful mm. environment. That's, I'd say the, the biggest one. In the younger years, under five, constipation is actually a really big, big one too that I I deal with just with getting adequate fluid fiber but even more so just I think the the mental relationship that comes with toileting and 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 all that Mm -hmm. and um so I do a lot of that as well. And then I say what I referred to before the relationship with food, obesity, and this idea of trying to support healthy eaters without hindering body image that tends to come a little on in more adolescence. Mm -hmm. And I see that I I do work with several clients in their early
0: 20s. And I just see that kind of continuing on Mm -hmm. from childhood. Wow. And what are some recommendations to break those cycles of relationships? Like you mentioned... Picky eating. How mm-hmm. do you help parents or your recommendation to a parent to start mm-hmm. taking steps to relaxing about picky eating? And I know you mentioned that your child's also a picky eater, but what, what would you be your recommendation to start working toward a better relationship with your child in relation to food?
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm sure many of you have heard before about the division of responsibility in feeding. Um, and I will be sure to share references to mm-hmm. Ellen Satter, who is the, individual that has really brought about this concept. And really, it's what I was trained as a dietitian in, in pediatrics to follow. And I think it just, it holds true 10 years later. I think parents, we try to take on too many roles um, when it comes to feeding. And what what this concept really states is that the parent is responsible for what, when, and where the child is fed. But the child is always responsible for how much they want to eat and whether they're even Going to eat the foods that are present. Wow. So, yeah. So, in moments when my son's sitting there and he's licked some ketchup off his plate out of this meal. <laughs> i provided and I'm getting stressed and I'm thinking, oh, how's he going to sleep tonight? I remind myself I did what I was supposed to do. I put out nutritious foods. I, you know, exposed him. Um, one thing I always check myself on is did I have a safe food on the plate? So I think as, as parents, when you're kind of going over like, why isn't my child eating? Take a step back, ask yourself, did you expose them to a fruit or veggie? Did you have a safe food on their plates or something that they're likely to accept? And did you serve it at a table? Is somewhere somewhere that um, is free of distractions like the TV, etc. Then you did your job, and the only thing you can do is sit back and play it cool. <laughs> and it's really wow. it's so hard to do that and yeah.
0: not comment,
1: but to remind yourself that everything is going to work out. And I still struggle with it. And you have done your job. I mean, I yes. Know. I
0: mean, that is so hard to hear. And I don't know about uh, parents in this country, but I'm from Mexico, and in our culture, in And my partner's from India, and their love language is overfeeding their children. Mm -hmm. Like, child's done, and then you serve them again. Obviously, not all Mexicans or all Indians are the same, and overfeeding kids or showing love is through food. My little world of Mexicans and knowledge of Mexicans and... Indians. That's the case. And and that's the way you... It's, it's funny, there's some memes that go around saying a Chinese mom won't say I love you. And it's not necessarily true, but the meme is they won't say I love you. They will be it. Eat one more, eat. And I feel like that's really similar to the Mexican and Indian culture because that's where I'm supposed to. And it's so hard what you're saying. Just let go and let be. Ah, to let go control of what? Because it's your child's nutrition, it's your child's mm-hmm. being. You want your child to have brain food, you want your child to have everything. Mm-hmm. And just letting that be so hard. It is so hard. And as I say,
1: you know, it's not something I have even come close to mastering as a parent and as a professional in this space. It's so hard to not entice to they like, do you want to grow big and strong? Things like that. That, that doesn't work. And yeah. a lot of us who have toddlers, young children, know often when we push, 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 we just get more pushback. Oh, yes. And so that can really actually just lead to a child becoming more resistant. And it is so hard what you highlighted. And I'd say in some cases, you know, in American cultures too, and I grew up in Canada, it was definitely this way that, you know, we showed love through what's that line, you know, that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach <laughs> or something. <laughs> Easy like that, like that old, old school term. But um, yeah. it is very true that many of us show love through food. And I think we have to look at it as in the long run, the way we can show love for our child's relationship with food is to put the trust in them. And <sighs> take a step back so that they can learn to respond to their own hunger and fullness cues and be connected with them. As I, as I mentioned when we first started talking.
0: Yes. How do we know and how do children know that enough is enough food? Like even for us adults, uh, the amount of food that we need for our body nutrition and and keeping our brain active is very little actually. What Mm -hmm. is, what is enough say for in portions that we can imagine over a podcast? What would be portion for a say, a two-year-old, three, four, five, that you know that that will be good enough. And if they don't eat it, they don't eat it. Mm-hmm. It's actually highly variable between children. And so I, you know, actually don't suggest specific
1: portions. What I suggest is putting up just a small amount of each item on the plate. It could be far less than you would expect your child to eat and leave it up to them to ask for more mm-hmm. and give them the option to ask for more. Child- children can be very overwhelmed when they take a look at a plate that looks like... Like there's potentially more food than they feel like eating and that can just lead them to put up a wall and not want to eat anything. So one of the best things you could do is actually give them like little, almost like little samples of each item, let them taste it and let them decide what they want to ask for more of. And like I said, it's the child's responsibility to determine how much. So if your child has asked for three, round, three pieces of bread and they've just asked for refill, refill of bread and they haven't touched their broccoli, they haven't touched whatever, meat they're having, oh. that's okay. You give them what they want. Um, they're listening to their body and they're telling you what they want. You're not responsible. So, you know, theoretically, a child's hunger and fullness cues should dictate how much they truly need for growth and development. So some children need just like a little bit, you know, at some meals and at other meals, they're going to eat larger amounts. And it just depends on the situation, the day they're having. It's actually very common for many Toddlers to actually basically only eat two meals a day, like just forego or only have a few bites from a third meal. And I see that all the time with my son.
0: So, this is that's a thin line, real thin line. Uh, when it comes to food and nutrition, mm-hmm. yes, it, when you're saying is, um, teaching and being patient and trusting your child's intuition of how much that you eat how do we know when is the line of like my kid only wants to eat uh gorilla cereal I don't want to eat anything else but just gorilla cereal because food industry is such a commercialized and money making industry that they put a lot of corn syrup and items a lot of sugar in some items so that children become more attracted to that. so they practically mm-hmm. become addicted to that stuff or my son only wants to have crackers graham crackers or the honey crackers or whatever that's the only thing they want to eat nothing else how do we balance the part where we say we trust your instincts and what part is our kids become addicted to some of this stuff where, where we find that balance of letting your child choose and trusting them as well we are parents and therefore let's help them guide them some way great question so the wonderful thing is
1: that is one thing as a parent you do have control over in your in your division of responsibility is that you get to decide decide. decide how often what is offered. So it's up to you as the parent to decide how often you actually want to offer those graham crackers, that gorilla cereal, the ice cream. I mean, I give my son ice cream and I kind of decide how many times a week I'm going to give it as a choice for him. Mm -hmm. You know, if my son is on an ice cream kick, which he lately has been saying ice cream, ice cream, ice cream over and over, because yes, he thinks it's amazing and it's full of sugar and why not? I I just say that's not a choice tonight. Here are your choices on your plate. I make sure there is one safe food that I know he'll eat. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. today it was pasta with red sauce. Oddly, he won't eat mac and cheese or... Um, pasta with butter but he will eat pasta with a specific (laughs) brand of red sauce so it was that and then other items I knew he probably wouldn't touch and he was asking me for ice cream and I just said no that's not one of your choices Mm. and I think this is a big thing to call out to in building a healthy relationship with food and helping to reverse picky eating is to not cater Mm. so if your child is asking for something different than what you have offered to really hold your ground and say these are our choices I mean if you met Mess up. Like, if you look and you're like, oh my gosh, there is nothing on this plate that is appropriate for a child, or that I think there's a remote chance of my child liking, well, then you maybe need to add something to Mm -hmm. the plate that's a little bit more approachable. But really, if your child is asking for something different, you don't have to say no. You can just say, that's not one of our choices tonight. Maybe we'll have it another time. Um, And a technique that I often use when I am giving sweets and there's a request for, more 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 because theoretically we want our children like I said to ask for more and um and be able to kind of listen to their hunger and fullness cues well I do believe for things like ice cream and sweet that can just like you said get completely (laughs) dysregulated um because it's kind of like brain over stomach at that point Mm -hmm. I just say I'm sorry there was only like we're we're out we don't have any more available so they know that there was never an an option for more Mm -hmm. they can't know that there's more there and you're cutting if that makes sense mm-hmm.
0: yeah because it's hard to rational at that point too we all have those cravings things we like and and when we don't get it we get grouchy and mm-hmm. period it's no rational to the whole situation uh mm-hmm. it's good for your body it's not good for your body that's not important for them it feels good no. I want it <laughs> now sugar causes a dopamine serotonin a
1: rush in our brain it's a known yeah. thing I mean I see it in adults all the time and I think that's why it's important to still expose the treat foods on mm-hmm. a regular basis the sweeter things so they don't become this thing they never get and then when they have it the scarcity mindset to just have as much as they. yeah
0: want. I remember when I when my kids were young they're teenagers now one is going to turn 18 soon one of the things that I did with sugar and sweets candies is always kept them in a drawer to their reach and we set a goal of how much candy they can have per day and we all agree on it and we left it there it, it was not hidden away because mm-hmm. we didn't want to put our kids at risk of them trying to climb up the counters to get this candy because if they want something they will get to it mm-hmm. yeah You are so right. And I think that is a really great example right
1: there of you set boundaries, like you set a reasonable amount and you gave them some choice in the matter. And that's something, yes, as children get older, you can definitely do things like that. But, but you're
0: right, if it's, we won't, we can't have. So it's really good to, to expose. What are some recommendations for healthy and fun eating for children? Yeah, so this becomes increasingly important with picky eaters and trying to keep the the um,
1: environment really calm. So just encouraging interaction with the food. If the food doesn't actually, if the food isn't being eaten, which often it is not being eaten with the picky eater, just having them touch it, smell it, play with it, that is, is a win. So I try to think of ways that I can get my son to interact with mm-hmm. the food. Um, so you can, and I'm sure many of you have seen these things, um, you can serve the food really large. So like give them, oh, like a whole pair or half a pair, like permitted that it, it's safe for their age. And sometimes looking at that versus like these little cut up pieces, it's more fun to them. You can say dinosaurs take big bites or things like that. Um, other things you can get fun little food picks. So often when when I give my son uh, a plate of food with an item that I know it's very low likelihood he's going to eat I stick like you can get little animals on food picks and we stick that in the item and serve it to him so that he'll probably engage with the little food pick, pick it up, play with it. He might smell it, but not much else. But I have seen those lead him to just be more interested versus looking at this. Ugh, I don't want that on my plate. Um, <laughs> fun forks. So there's, you know, diggers and bulldozer forks and other things. You can change at the utensil. Uh, you know, the, the trainer chopsticks, those are really fun too. Um, the silicone muffin cups, that are colored, those can be really fun ways to get a kid interacting and look at something with a little more excitement. Um, And then just getting back to, you know, healthy and fun eating for children. I just wanted to say again, that I think healthy means all foods. So Mm -hmm. treats are okay. So go have a fun experience, go, you know, have, go to an ice cream shop, go get, you know, go to a donut shop, allow your child to do these things. But again, you get to decide how often, and I think those can be really fun things to engage in. And, um, also just to learn a bit more about where food comes from, I think is a really great way to interact, read stories about food or even, um, doing some food prep with your children. I know Mm -hmm. it's not always realistic but that has been a game changer for my son. Like he wouldn't touch pizza and this weekend we rolled out the dough and he chose his toppings and he ate a bit of it. So to me, that was a
0: win. Um, yes. Yeah. One of the things that when you brought different forks and utensils, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that happens a lot, and I see that a lot with parents, new new baby eating solid food, they do the airplane so that they finish mm-hmm. the whole food. What, do you, what, what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. So,
1: and I know this. there's definitely, unfortunately, beca- become one of those things that's, that's been a little bit too divided, in my opinion, in the infant early childhood arena, this idea of doing either spoon feeding your baby or doing baby led weaning, which is more giving your child the whole food to explore, not doing skipping over purees. And really, I think there's room for both. What I would say is I do strongly believe that it's great if the child can be taught to self-feed. Mm. So using, you know, it doesn't have to be like a, a whole piece of food. It could be a puree that's put on a spoon, food that's naturally pureed things like hummus or yogurt or applesauce and serving them on little utensils for babies that they will actually pick up. They have that palm or grass. They have the ability to pick these up and actually bring the food to their mouth because there is certainly evidence to show that having something forced into your mouth repeatedly, repeatedly with a spoon can lead to some aversion. And again, you're taking the responsibility away from your child to decide what they're going to eat and how much they're going to have. And so if you if you have the spoons there for them to eat versus, I'm going to finish this jar and just keep going and do airplane yeah. and whatever. Finish it. It really is very different from this idea of responding to hunger and fullness
0: cues. And a, and a baby can do that. Yeah. It reminds me of how we want to teach our children to trust their gut instinct. And by mm-hmm. climbing trees, they they know that, oh, this branch feels like it's not going to support me. So they started to learn that gut feeling of not going to go there. And by taking mm-hmm. that away from them, it doesn't give them that gut feeling of learning okay this is dangerous for me I'm not going to do that because I might get hurt and with food it's the same thing they have cues and we're taking that that amazing tool they have in their body by Mm -hmm. by taking the responsibility of like I'm going to shove this whole thing in my baby's tummy because I know it's healthy and I want to make sure they're growing fast and all that but that does not mean that your child needs as much as food as uh, your friends or your uh, sister's child. Exactly you said it perfectly. Mm -hmm. Every child is different, and they learn by doing. They learn by experience. It's it's incredible. So, what are mm-hmm. some good resources you recommend for caregivers, parents, or teachers in regards mm-hmm. to? So, number one, I think just for a general
1: foundation of this whole division of responsibility and knowing how to deal with different challenges that come up. Ellen Satter, hands down. The guru of pediatric nutrition. She actually has some wonderful books out there too for parents that might be um, dealing with obesity or other things that have come up. She has written one book called Your Child's Weight: Helping Without Harming, um, which is a great one, and just lots of her website is full of incredible resources. So I would go there just if you're wanting to kind of get a refresh or foundation, especially for educators and then you know what there's there's actually a couple instagram accounts out there that i think have done a beautiful job um and i know a lot of parents are looking to social media for information <laughs> yeah and i mean i have i think expanded on my knowledge in yeah. learning from these accounts so solid starts that is a phenomenal account which i just love they have all these different multicultural foods they have a huge d- database on how to cut the food or prepare it it based on whether your child is six months old, nine months old, over a year, over two years. So you can feel confident. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love their philosophy. um, And I agree wholeheartedly with their approach to picky eating. And then feeding littles is another really good one. I love that it's a dietitian occupational therapist dyad. So the two work together in really the mechanics of feeding and also the nutrition piece. And they just have a really nice perspective about fostering that healthy relationship with food, being cognizant of body image well beyond Um, infancy and toddlerhood
0: into adolescence oh I'm gonna check them out that they sound Mm -hmm. fun and when we're so busy when we're so busy sometimes just watching one feed Mm -hmm. is really helpful for a parent when you're in the bathroom or you're you know in between cooking between naps or you know not necessarily before going to sleep but we do it we all do it (laughs) we
1: do we do I am certainly guilty of it and as I say they're just really wonderful resources and I should Mentioned too that Solid Starts has a really great team of experts, like GI doctors, allergists, dietitians, OTs, SLPs. Wonderful. I think that's important too. I, I should share anytime you're looking at a resource, especially in the nutrition space, look who has provided the information because misinformation is just oh yes, abundant in this space. Yes. It's a large part of my job is demystifying misinformation.
0: And with social media, you have to be very wise in. And- making sure who is this source and uh, investigating before taking an information and just saying, yes, that works. No, it's not necessarily the correct. That's part of our job as parents. Investigate whether it's a good source and who has provided the information and Mm -hmm. then take if that's what we like. So yeah, that's really important. Now, what are some picture books that you recommend for in regards to nutrition and food for children? Mm -hmm. There's one that actually a client told me about that I just
1: love and it's called how did that get in my lunchbox and it's basically a story of all the items that go into a child's lunchbox and where they came from just you know really going back to that idea of farm to table and or just the history of um, a food item. And and it's a really cute little story. Actually, this same client shared with me that she did a little activity with some of her friends where they all read that together and they went and got the ingredients for a lunchbox and put it together. I thought thought, that is just such a phenomenal idea. Yeah. 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 I thought really, really good. And then there's another one I recently discovered called the sandwich shop, which is just brings into the idea of, Um, you know, different foods from different cultures and how everyone we're all different, but, you know, learning to accept difference and Mm -hmm. sharing and yeah, it's, it's just a very sweet story as well. So those are the two right now. Okay, perfect,
0: nice perfect. Story. That's yeah. that's good to start. And then what are yeah. some words of wisdom in regards to nutrition that you can leave us with? My number one,
1: and it's kind of a cheesy line, but it is so true. And I use this for adults all the time. Make the healthy choice, the easy choice. If you're going to make the healthy choice, the difficult choice, you are not going to do it. So if that means you order a meal delivery service for the week, if that means you do take out One night. um, If that means you buy your fruits and vegetables pre cut so that when you open your fridge, they are the easy choice, do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't put extra work on yourself. Any of us, it's human nature. If you are confronted with the idea of here are some carrots that need to be peeled and chopped versus here's crackers or chips sitting in the pantry, without a doubt, we're going to go for the crackers or chips. (laughs) So make the healthy choice, the easy choice. Buy a fruit or veggie platter to have in your fridge. Often I find there's less waste involved when Mm -hmm. we do these types of things um, because they're readily accessible and require less of our precious time. Other one, many of you have heard it before, 80-20 rule balance 80% 80% of the time, nutrition is, you know, at its best, following our best intentions. And 20% of the time, there's things that maybe aren't in line with long-term. That's okay. Same goes with your children. If there's one treat meal, if there's one missed meal, if there's one, as I call it with my son, condiment meal, where all <laughs> he has is the soy sauce and the ketchup on his plate, it's okay. It's yeah. just one small piece. And my final, final thought I want to leave with everyone is relax, being Part relaxed. yeah it's a a hard hard one still I'm I'm really working on it but relax when it comes to your own nutrition relax when it comes to feeding your child children have an innate ability to feel our stress and the calmer you can be when you are feeding your child and the more relaxed the environment can be the better your success is going to be and the lower your stress levels are going to be. So um, relax and always just fall back on your job as a parent, that division responsibility. Did you check, 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 do what you were supposed to do? Well, now it's on your child. So take a deep breath and enjoy your meal.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great. So Thank you so much for being here, sharing this valuable information. Because food is a tricky business for uh, with our children and the relationship with our children. So, thank you for being here for sharing this information. Thank you so
1: much. It's been a pleasure to be on here, and I really appreciate your thoughtful questions and just uh, interested in learning.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Parenting Takes a Village. I hope you some these tools help you in regards to nutrition. Remember, take a deep breath and enjoy. Until next time. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the North Seattle College Parent Education Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Visit our website for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram to learn more about our upcoming events. See you next time.